You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. an interesting moment and we are blessed to be Christians at this time. How many believers are here? It's a blessing to be a Christian in this nation at this time. I believe that those of us that are here, we are actually more privileged than those who got our independence. Because what they got was an independence on paper. But what God wants to give us is an independence in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. The people who signed off paper to us never let us free. The people who they signed to also never let us free. But a new Nigeria is coming where there will be independence indeed. Where there will be dignity. You know, Nigerians will have dignity. The value of the Nigerian life will have dignity, will be respected. When people serve us, they will serve us with respect. I was telling my wife, in America, if they kill one person, the mayor, the commissioner of police, everybody will line up and be explaining to the people what happened. They'll be briefing and briefing and briefing. When you see all of them that are standing like this. In Nigeria, when they kill 40 people, police say it's only 30. Do you see governor? Do you see president? If something happens, 10 people die, the president will go there and be explaining to the people and be apologizing and be saying these are the steps they're going to take, that Nigeria is coming. Where the people that are in public service will really be in public service, not public mastering. That's why you have to reject some people. You know, for those who have not been happy with the way I've been preaching, you're even going to be more unhappy today. (laughs) Praise the Lord. No, it's not personal because I realize that we call the fast, isn't it? And we are saying we are praying for Nigeria. So we are addressing Nigeria. While I was driving to church this morning, I was just thinking, this world is not my home. Truly, this world is not my home, right? But the Bible says, David served his generation according to the will of God. There is something you and I are to do for our generation. And we must get it done in Jesus' name. My prayer is that I will serve my generation. By the mercy of God, I'll go to heaven, right? But when they look at my records and say, what did you do in Nigeria at this time? They will say he did what he should do. May that be your story as well in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So let me just put this out so it's clear. What we have coming up, you know, this weekend is not just an election. You see, the most secular description that we can give to it is a referendum. It's a referendum of, you know, your choice. Who are you? Somebody said people will decide their character. That's what it is. It's not an election. It's not political. It's deeper than that. Praise the Lord. It's more of a referendum, but more specifically, it's a clear definition of choice between good and evil. That's what it is. It's not even business. It's deeper than business. Praise the Lord. It's a choice between good and evil, a choice between light and darkness, a choice between equity and injustice, a choice between wisdom and folly. I think one of the preachers in Nigeria said that 
is going to know all the mad people in Nigeria after the election. When he sees the number of people that voted a particular party, he will conclude that these are the number of mad people. It's a choice between wisdom and folly. It's a choice between faith and unbelief. Because anybody here who has traveled outside of this country to the Emirates, to Europe, to the U.S. or Canada, any of those places, and I've seen those places, that means the choice you make here will say whether you believe that Nigeria can be like that. And if you believe that Nigeria can be like that, then there's only one place you can be on. But if you don't believe, then it might explain. So it's a choice between wisdom and folly. It's a choice between faith and unbelief. But most importantly for Rio and I here, it's a choice between the true God and devils and mammon and false religion. That's what it is. I was speaking to somebody. This person is high up in the campaign for APC. And he said to me, Pastor, I know you're praying. I said, I'm praying. In essence, what I told him, your man will lose. He said, pray, let the good candidate win. That's what he told me. He's not a Christian. He said, pray, let the better candidate win. So he knows. Everybody knows. Who doesn't know? Who doesn't know? Okay? Everybody knows. So that's why it's so easy. Now, I've advised people who are close to me, and I, I put this out. If you're working for any of those persons who are not God's choice, sabotage them. Why are you laughing? Moses, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm, I'm talking scripture here. Moses owed Pharaoh and his household his life. Did Moses betray Israel to Egypt? Was it not Moses that delivered Israel from Egypt? What has whoever done for you? Moses owed Pharaoh and his household his life. And yet, when he became of age, anybody who is thinking otherwise, you need to come of age. Do you understand? Moses, nobody here, no matter what APC, PDP, anybody has done for you, they, have they done for you what Pharaoh did for Moses? Yet Moses took Israel out of Egypt and said, Pharaoh, you are my father, but you let my people go. That's what is going on. So if you're working for them, Betray them. Listen to me. Listen. I haven't finished. I'm still starting. Obadiah was the chief of staff of Ahab. He took the prophets of God, hid them in a cave, and was taking scarce bread and water and was feeding them. There is a king over your king. Do you understand? There is a supreme one to be loyal to. There is no confusion in it. Agree with them. Lead the plans. Report their rigging plans, their wire plans. Report it to spread it everywhere. I'm the one telling you that. It's a righteous thing to do. Do you understand? I'm giving you scripture. Obadiah. That's our text. Okay, we can go to 1 Kings 18 from 20. When the famine got so serious, the Bible said King Ahab divided the country in two ways. He said, I will go this way. You, Obadiah, go that. That's how trusted he was. Yet, he was on the side of God. It's a question of, are you on the side of God? Don't tell me it's party. You can tell that to the Marines. It's not party. It's not business. It's not profession. Betray whoever. Because you cannot afford to be on the wrong side. 
And whether you do that or not, God will still win. So it's better you're on the side that you'll be telling your children, yes, you know, I was there, but this is how I helped. Praise the Lord. First Kings 18, I read from 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets about, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey. Or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and caught themselves as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant, and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the bond of sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it leaked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you as your children. And we come through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And we come to make this request concerning our generation. 
indeed in this season may we arrive at that place where our generation at particular in this nation will say the lord he is god the lord he is god the lord he is god in the name of jesus lord by reason of the things you do let men fear you lord put my generation in awe of you in the name of jesus arise oh lord let your enemies be scattered humble the wicked terrify the proud oh lord and let your glory be seen all over we give you praise and glory as we look into your word breathe upon the teacher breathe upon the hearers let us see wonderful things from your word and let our lives be blessed thank you father in jesus christ's name we pray praise the lord so we have a text here before us and um what we're looking at this text is that we must get a proper understanding of what we are doing so you know people don't just think we are just um, moving with our emotions no the bible says from proverbs 16 22 it says understanding is the wellspring of life to him that has it understanding is important very extremely important understanding means what are the things at stake what is on the ground what is at the back of what is happening why is this happening what will be the outcome what is actually you know in question what is being checked you know that's what it is so you don't just look at things on the surface you don't just you know gloss over things no you have to have understanding what is going on what will be the implication of this what is the intent of this and you see when you begin to get understanding part of what is going to happen is that you cannot be as frivolous in your emotions as you used to be because you see the other day i was looking at children playing and the question came to me why do children play the way they play and why don't adults play is the understanding they have is limited so they have a lot of free disk space you know any computer person here they have free disk space but as you grow as an adult you're having understanding in this time now there's a way you play 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 you remember that if you scratch your body there's no cash to buy iodine you see the child is not thinking any of that the child is free you understand so understanding is key but i'm just warning you because when you have understanding people might begin to say why are you always serious because the matters at stake are serious. Do you understand? I've told us here that a lot of comedy, I don't enjoy it because when I see them, they are nonsense, they are waste of precious, you know, they are waste of even my sin. Do you understand? Because everything you now see, you're probing it to see what is it saying? What is the message behind it? What are they trying to portray? What are they directing? Do you know every program on television has a director? You know what the director wants to direct? You think it's the people moving, the movie. They want to direct your judgment. He wants you to finish watching this movie and believe that lesbians and homosexuals are nice people. So they direct it. They program it. This is what they want to achieve. They want to achieve that anybody that watches this, you know, uh, the movie will believe that whoever makes money in Nigeria is either Yahoo or did one thing or the other. They're directing it. Okay? So understanding makes you look at things and want to understand what is going on here. And on Wednesday, we also learned something very important, which I just have to mention in, in passing. Okay? 
so on Wednesday, where we concluded our, our meditation on Wednesday, was a very critical point where we saw the connection between the heart and the mouth. Okay, and the mouth and the heart. And our Lord Jesus was speaking to the disciples, and he was saying to them that, listen, you know, in contrary to what we think, he said it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles a man. So, you know, religion will frighten you about drinking. Alcohol is not good for you. You know that. The Bible says we should give alcohol to the man who is dying, isn't it? So that he can drink and forget his soul. He says he's not fit for kings to drink alcohol. And you know the man who took the Nazarene van never took alcohol. And you know also that pilots don't take alcohol. So depending on how precious your assignment in life is, you might decide to take alcohol. If you're just a truck pusher, that the only thing that can fall from your life is two bars of yam, and then you pack them back, you can drink alcohol. But if you're navigating your life, and you know that if you make a mistake, you know, lives are going to be affected, then you need soundness of judgment at all times. Is someone with me? Okay, so that's on the surface. But when we got deeper, we saw that Jesus was saying that it's not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth. And he said, why? He said, because what goes into your mouth enters into your stomach and it's passed away. But what comes out of your mouth is full of cum. It's something that was, you know, regurgitated in your heart. So your mouth is actually a display case of what is in your heart. Now, we began to learn that it was critical. We saw how important it was to now guard our hearts so that things don't enter our hearts that will come out from our mouth and do what? And defile us. Okay, so we saw the scripture. We looked at the scripture. You can put it NLT. Proverbs 4, yes. Everybody read it for me, please. What does it say? It says, guard your heart. How? How? Above what? All else. He said, for it determines the curse of your life. And you put that together, you put what we're talking about. When we're saying this thing is about choice, it's not just an election. Our Lord Jesus speaking also in Matthew 6, speaking to the disciples also, 22 to 24. He, He was saying to them that the lamp of the body is the eye. That if your eye is bad, ah, he said there's problem. Because... The whole body will be filled with darkness. And then every interpretation, imagine interpreting things in darkness. It means you can't judge rightly. And that is where the issue is with our time and our generation. And that's why God will need to have mercy. But he went on to conclude that no one can serve two what masters at the same time. How does all of that connect? You see, it matters who is enthroned in your heart. That's why it was so easy, like we talked about Moses, to make the choice he made. Jehovah was God in his heart. There was no question. The Bible said he forsook the passing pleasures of Egypt. He forsook the treasures of Egypt. It meant that Moses' goal was not to be a big boy. Praise the Lord. Moses' goal was not to hit it. His goal was to honor God. If there was any dichotomy if there was any you know doubting inside of him it would have been a tough decision but his heart had already settled it and i pray and trust that everyone listening to me here that jesus reigns in your heart because it's going to simplify a lot of things that in your heart god is what king so that every other thing you know will take their place praise the lord so we saw that we have to guard our hearts we have to guard what we are listening to we have to guard what 
who is feeding us information. We have to guard who is telling us things. We must measure everything or filter everything with the word of God so that we don't have the wrong input into our hearts. Praise the Lord. Now, coming back with that, so understanding comes how? As we look at God, look at the things God did, look at the word of God, look at what is important to God, we begin to get understanding. And that's what we see in this story. We all know Elijah the Tishbite. Praise the Lord. And we know what happened in chapter 17. We're still going to come back to our text. Come with me to the chapter behind now. In chapter 17 of 1 Kings, this is what the Bible says. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain this is, except what? At my word. Now you begin to wonder, this Elijah, from where to where? Praise the Lord. From where to what? How did he appear? What happened? What's the history? What's his beef? What's his grouse with Ahab? Who are you, Elijah? Praise the Lord. We don't know who he was. Just Elijah the Tishbite. Now, let me tell you what happened as we're talking about understanding. Come with me now, further back now. 1 Kings 16 from verse 29. It says, in the eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. 30. Now, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than how all who were before him. 31. Let's read it together so we follow. 31 says, and it came to pass, as though it had been one, a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as wife. Jezebel, the daughter of Edba, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Let me just pause here and mention something, you know, just as I'm reading it, it came to me. You know, last election, in Kaduna, for the first time, somebody did a Muslim, Muslim ticket. And truly, I prayed, you know, I don't know why God didn't answer me that. I thought that thunder would strike that man. Because I know that man. I know his wickedness. From before, while he was in Abuja, if you've been in this church, you know my, I've quarreled with friends of mine who are quarreling with him now because of him, who were very close with him, you know. He took that stand, and I said, this is an insult upon the Christian population in that state, okay? And it was as though, I don't know why, but I, I think God, you know, in his wisdom, was reserving the best victory for last. Praise the Lord. Now, what has happened in this election is that they've graduated it to now do Muslim, Muslim all over this nation. With all the Christians in Nigeria, there is none fit to be running mate. And as though that were not enough, when they saw that we were not happy, they now went and took towels and put Christian robes on them and presented them on television as Christians. As though they slapped us. We are angry. They spat on us. And you're telling me to keep quiet. There's a reason. That's what I'm saying. There's a reason. This is what happened here. The Bible says it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jer- uh, Jeroboam the son. Of- that he went and took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Edba. And Elijah was watching all these things. The man was graduating in his evil. Graduating. 32 says, he was still going up. 32 says, then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. 
He didn't stop there. Verse 33 says, And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Who has done, is there any time that provoked our God like they have in this recent time? What are you talking about? Listen to their statements. Every time that man makes a joke, he uses Christians. Every time. No regard. That was what made Elijah to say enough is enough. That was what provoked Elijah. It's possible God was looking at it. And God obviously wasn't happy. God was not pleased. God doesn't lie. I mean, one of the first, you know, basic commandments is, Thou shalt honor the Lord thy God. You know, God wasn't happy. But a man stood up. We weren't told that God told him, go and do that. But because he understood that his God was being insulted, he knocked at the door of the king and said to Ahab, you Ahab, you know the Ahab, in this Israel, there shall not be rain nor dew, except at my word. That was what was at the back of it. And he did that and left. I'm sure they thought he was joking. But the God who had respect to his name took note and honored his word. Do you know that God could not bring back that rain until Elijah came and begged God, say, bring it back? Is someone listening to me here? We are talking of understanding. So when we are praying and, you know, uh, sounding maybe aggressive or whatever at this time, you must understand that it's not surface. There are issues concerning my God and your God. Praise the Lord. There are issues concerning the glory of his name. So that was what happened that made Elijah declare that, you know, situation over Israel. And when he ran, you know, our story began from when God had said to him, okay, go back, you know, I think time is enough. And now he came back and Ahab said to him, you know, part of the first time they met, Ahab said to, to Elijah, say, is that, is that thou, O troubler of Israel? <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. So they started the conversation. Anyway, Elijah went straight to business. Say, there's no point, okay, call the people, let us now finally find out. Who is God? And the people said it's a good thing to do. The neutral, those who didn't have understanding. And the prophets of Baal were 450. And then the prophets of uh, Asher or whatever were 400. So altogether 850. And Elijah said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a challenge. We're going to bring a bull and offer to, you offer to your God, I will offer to my God. And, but we'll put no fire on that. The God who is creator, the God who should be worshipped, let him provide his own fire. And the Bible said the prophets about the 850 of them agreed to the challenge. And the people also agreed to the challenge. And Elijah said, come on, you have the majority. Go first. Now we saw what happened there. They went and they chose their bulls. Verse 26 of uh, 1 Kings 18 says, so they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it. And they called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon. They were saying, O Baal, hear us. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? They were saying, O Baal, what? Now, let me tell you something. If Baal was not hearing them before, I cannot come here and say, Baal state, hear me. Can I do that? But I can say to my wife, my wife, hear me. Are you with me? Baal had been answering them. 
Baal had been what? Answering them. But that day, they told Baal, this is how God kicked, kicked Baal, and they rolled over. Baal could no longer hear. We're in that season where their Baals would not hear them again. You know why? A decision is about to be made. People are watching. You and I are privileged. We have this insight. Listen to me. It's so easy for me to come here and just live in the heavenly places. We're seated in heavenly places. but We don't mind earthly things. But for the generation that are looking to know, would their God do something? It's for their sake that this would happen. Is someone hearing me? It's for their sake. That's the truth. I'm ready by the mercy of God and by the, you know, blood of the cross. I'm ready for rapture. I'm ready to leave Nigeria now, not go to Canada. Bam, just go. But there is a generation that don't know what we know. And are looking to see whether, is there actually God? Is there actually a God? Are these men gods? Do you see the way they speak? See the way they boast? Do, do they really control all things? So they began, they said, bow, hear us. <laughs> but there was no voice. No one answered. So they said, okay, they know. When bow behaves like this, they take it a step higher. So the bow said, they leaped about the altar which they had made. And time was passing, so they got more desperate. Verse 27. And so it was at noon that Elijah said to them, try harder. He's a God. There are some translations that are just very... Can you give us message translation of that? Let's see. He said, call a little louder. He's a God. After all, maybe he's off meditating somewhere. Maybe he's attending to urgent matters in Afghanistan. He's involved in a project. Maybe he's on vacation. Is it possible he overslept? You may need to wake him up. That's what Elijah was mocking them on. So in response to Elijah's mockery, you know what they did? They cried aloud. And they cut themselves. As was their what? Custom. But their custom didn't work again. There will be power failure. Their power is failing. In the name of Jesus. I say their power is failing. The backing from Saudi Arabia will fail. The backing from Iran. Everywhere there is backup, it will fail. Anyone that tries it, they will see the type of trouble in their own base that they will not answer anybody. As was their customer, they started cutting themselves with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. They thought that the bow was like shark. If he smells blood, he will surely show up. A dead dog can't smell again. The bow had been decapitated, so the blood didn't wake it up. Nothing. There was no response. Brethren were decreeing as sons of the Most High God. There will be no response. They will call and none will answer them. In the name of Jesus, there will be no response. No one paid attention. That's what the Bible says. No voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Hallelujah. You know in Nigeria, even all of us are guilty of that. When police stops you, you committed a crime or you betrayed, you did something. What's the thing big men do? They take up the phone and call. When you call the person, you give the policeman the phone. You say, hello, uh, um, uh, <laughs> this is so calling from Abby. 
Julius, I heard you doing one of those calls for equity. <laughs> you know. But this time they will call. The person you're calling is in his own trouble. He said, I was going to call you too. I get what I'm saying. We are at a critical juncture. And God has risen. Praise the Lord. The songs we're singing today were prophetic. We're not just singing. And by the mercy of God, next Sunday we'll be dancing. We'll be rejoicing. In the name of Jesus. No voice, no one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because, you see, God had arisen. The psalmist said, let God arise. And let his what? Enemies be scattered. Let God arise. These enemies that have borne rule for too long. They have squashed us for too long. We live in a country where the government paid ransom for hundred and something girls. They brought all of them back and kept one just because she's a Christian. And the country continued. And you're telling me to be normal. The nation continued as if nothing happened. Her only offense, they paid money on her head though. It's bad enough that a country is paying terrorists. Then we pay. And then terrorists said, if you don't recant, we will keep you. And up to today, they keep it. And people are going about marrying and giving in marriages, giving their daughters. People that are in position to do something. And you're saying, keep quiet. How can you keep quiet? We're in a country where young people gathered at Lekki. And the soldiers that were supposed to defend the country opened fire and shot them. Koro Koro I. And the government is saying they didn't shoot. It was uh, birds that were falling. I mean, we've tolerated too much in this country. A young girl was stoned. And nothing. The next thing, the people even get angry and start attacking churches in the same state. And nothing is done. And we have Christians. We have normal people. And to them it's normal. Somebody say time up. Time up. All of that will end. We're in a country just the way we are. You know, thank God for his protection. Amen got in, open fire, and massacred congregants in a church on Sunday. After that, they made noise, a few people had been caught. Who has heard anything about that up to now? We're in a country where a foreign country tells us. That we have released the list of terrorists to you. Sponsors of terrorists. And your attorney general says, they will not show you the list. And we are normal. What are you talking about? Enough is enough. Their time is gone. I say their time is what? I say their time is what? That's why when I stand here, I'm begging the innocent. I believe the people here are not innocent. I'm begging those who hear. You know, you know, there are some interesting things about God. Praise the Lord. Let me just address that before I go. When God was introducing or telling Moses about himself, Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, he was talking about himself. He says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and what? Gracious. That's who he is. Our God, nobody can take it away from him. Merciful and gracious. Long-suffering. He's been long-suffering towards us in this country. And towards us. Abounding in what? Goodness and truth. Okay, seven. Keeping mercy for 
thousands. Forgiving what? Iniquity and transgression and sin. That's our God. That is why today, anybody you know that is supporting these people, I have a scripture, number 1626. Tell them, the scripture says, Depart, I pray, from the tent of these wicked men, lest you be consumed with them. Depart, I pray, from these wicked men. You know why? God is ready to forgive, but they don't want to repent. God wants to show mercy, but they are not interested in God's mercy. They are putting their fingers in the nose of God. That's why he said that. He said forgiving transgressions and iniquity. But by no means, how can a God who forgives transgressions and iniquity now no means clear the guilty? Why? Because these ones don't want to be forgiven. That's why I'm begging anybody. If you have a relation, anybody, tell him this is what your pastor said. Tell them to go far from their tents. Because something will happen. No? Something must happen. In the name of Jesus. You know, I didn't come to Abuja to raise millionaires. It's because of Nigeria I came to Abuja. Something will happen. Depart, I pray, from the tent of these wicked men, lest you be consumed. If you have to be there, be there as a spy. That's what we started saying. Okay. So no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, okay, now come near me. I'm back to uh, 1 Kings 18, 13 so all the people came near him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built the altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around it, and then he began to say, Pour water. Remember, the test was search for fire. Are you with me? So the God who answers by fire. Now, if you're looking for fire, what you don't want is what? Water. One of the things we dealt with on Wednesday is that if you come to this God, you must adjust your thinking, your imagination. Water does not stop God bringing fire. There can be no odds against what God wants to achieve. Praise the Lord. Is someone with me? There can be no odds against the direction God is going. The God you and I serve is omniscient, omnipresent, and what? Omnipotent. Now, because of that power and ability he has, there are some things you must understand. You know, I, I tried to understand it, and the way it came to me was that God is omnidirectional now. He's not omnidirectional of the sound. Because in sound, there's unidirectional and then omnidirectional. But God is omnidirectional in the sense that, you see, if I want to achieve something, I have a direction I must go to achieve it. Now, God can achieve his purposes from every and any direction. In essence, what I'm saying is that there can be no obstacle to God's purpose. The songwriter sang and said, who can stand against the Lord? It says no one can, and then no one what? Will. No one can. There's nobody. He's God. And that's why in this account, Elijah said, pour water. So that the prophets of Baal and the children of Israel would not imagine that for some reason there was extreme dryness. You know, during the dry season, sometimes the weather gets so dry that, you know, dry leaves pick up fire. So Elijah wanted them to know that this is not an accident. What God will do in this nation will be clear. It's not an accident. 
it will be very clear. Elijah said, pour water, put in all the resistance, everything that can stop God's purpose. He said, pour water. You know, sometimes I wonder how they even obeyed him to pour water because water was so scarce then. And they poured water, and they poured water, and they poured water until the water was running through everywhere. And the valley filled. And he now said, this is his prayer, let's go there. It says, let me read that five. It says, so the water ran all around the altar so that he, he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are what? God in Israel. That's what I'm talking about. My whole interest in all this is that let it be known in this generation that the God of the Christians, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, he is what? God in Nigeria. That's all. That's all I'm looking for. That's my prayer, that's my dream, that's my hunger. That this generation will know that the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is what? He is God in Nigeria. That's what Elijah wanted. He said, let it be known. And we've learned here over time that do you know that is the only thing God wants? We looked at Ezekiel the other day, isn't it? Ezekiel 37. Why did God say to the dry bones, why did he walk that miracle? He said that you may know that I'm the Lord. That you may know that I'm the Lord. That's why he did it. And I began to search scriptures. I saw that that's what God is looking for everywhere. We looked at uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar the other day. Daniel chapter four seventeen. What was the reason? In order that the living world may know that the Most High World rules in the kingdom of men. That's what God wants. So when you want it, you can have confidence. And this is applicable in every situation. Not just nationally, even the littlest of situation, private situation. You walk in a place. You see, listen, when as a Christian you understand this, any situation, some of us are here and people are insulting you, threatening you. Anytime you have an opportunity that someone, you know, belittles you, mocks you, harasses you because of your God's side, you should rejoice. You know why? One thing God wants to be known is that he's God. So anywhere a man makes himself God, you can be sure that God will fight him. That's why when we started this our fasting, you know the first prayer we prayed? We said that God should deal with all the sons of pride. All those people that have sat in the position they sat and are operating as God. We're saying God, are they God? We're asking him, are they God? He knows how to answer them. He knows how to humble them. Are you with me? Anywhere you find yourself and somebody says, you can't do this, you can't do this. And they know you're trusting God. Go home and fall on your knees. And say, let them know in that office that you are God. They say, I will sack you because you're being God and because you're not compromising with them. Let them know in that office, in that situation, that you're waiting on God. Your in-laws, whatever situation, let it be known. That's a prayer that must be answered. You know what? Even our Lord's prayer. Do you know what our Lord's prayer is? Our Father, which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed says be known. Message will say, reveal your name. Reveal who you are. That's what it is. 
That's what we're talking about for Nigeria. Just, just do something so that everybody know that there is God. Patience told us there is God. We're laughing at her. God forgive us. There is God. Now we're saying, let God arise. Praise the Lord. So he prayed that prayer. Our Lord's prayer says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Matthew 6, 9. That's what he said there. Daniel 4, 17. In order that the living may know that the most high rules in the affairs of men. In Ezekiel, he said, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Even when God was going to bring out Israel from Egypt, the children of Israel, he said to Moses, Exodus 6, 6 to 7, he says, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. That is where God is. And that's where we're pitching our tent. That our generation, our children, listen to me, you might be thinking business and thinking the people that will give you position. Your children are not thinking that. Your children are thinking, is there really God? You don't know what is at stake. People are watching and say, is there really God? You know, are some people God? Is there a God in heaven? Is there a God that is reading this news and seeing all these things happening? Is there a God that is watching the, the impunity, the effrontery, you know, the boastings? Is there a God? That's what it is. And today, God is answering us in the name of Jesus. I say, God is what? Answering us in the name of Jesus. Why am I so sure? Because he has answered in time past. I'll show you one scripture and then I'm done. Praise the Lord. Where am I going? Let it be known this day that you are what? God in Nigeria. That's a prayer that will be answered. And he says, and that I'm your servant. We are his children. We are the church of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are his body. And unfortunately and incidentally, the, the part of those bearing the brunt of the evil in this nation is the church of Jesus. Every day I pray, I pray for the church in the north. You know, we that are from here down, we don't know what is going on. People there go to worship, they don't know what they're going to see. But thank God they're still going. Here, people go because you bring a superstar. Who is coming? Who is preaching? They're listening to names. If you put names, they come. If you make nice flyers, they come. People there don't go. They just go because this is the stand they are. They are believers and they have no choice. They're not going back. They go to worship, they don't know. I mean, you hear the news almost every Sunday you hear. So, this is where they found themselves. But we're saying enough is what? Enough. And that we've done all these things according to your word. So, Ted 7 says, you went on and prayed. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord God. And that they have turned their hearts back to you again. You know, the Bible says that God, please don't allow the scepter of wickedness. To rest on the land allotted to the rest. Lest the righteous turn their hands to iniquity. This is a possibility. Some time ago, many years ago, at, at the height of the problem in Plateau, I heard that unfortunately, even the so-called, um, you know, I don't know whether Christian, which word to use for them. You know, the people who were not the initial aggressors, they also started eating human beings in anger. That's where we've gotten ourselves to. The hatred was so much that it was not enough to kill. They did suya. Nigeria cannot continue like this. All the things, you know, happening, all the roots, different interests, you know, spoiling everything. He said, and that they have turned their hearts back to you again. He says, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the bond sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it leaked up the water that was in the trench that's how much god will answer us it will be so clear 
in the name of Jesus. It says, now, when all the people saw it, what happened? It said, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, the Lord, Nigeria will get to this place. In the name of Jesus Christ. I'll show you one more. We know the story of uh, David and Goliath. Okay, come with me to 1 Samuel 17. I'll show you something there. But you see, what happened here was the Philistines and the uh, Israel, they were at war. And the Philistines had a giant, just like Nigeria has giants, not just one giant. And the Bible said, for 40 days, this giant was challenging, speaking words, challenging the armies of Israel. And they could do nothing until a little boy came in verse 25. And they said to the boy, have you seen this man who has come up? He said, surely has come up to defy Israel. And this is what they were talking about. It shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, will give his father's house exemption from taxes. You know, started by talking about understanding. So to the men of Israel, this man is defying Israel. But if I defeat him, I will prosper. I seen something there. They didn't have understanding. Let me show you what David said. 26. When David said, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Okay. And what? There's a reproach. That's what we are talking about. There's a reproach. A reproach is what will make you say, if you kill me, you kill me. It's not about pride. All the soldiers in the battle, they saw it as, if you defeat this man, this is what you win. But David saw it that this man has brought a reproach. On the family name. He has brought a reproach on the name of our God. That's what David saw. They didn't have understanding. Because when the Philistines stood there and challenged, he was the captain of the armies of the Philistines. Who is the captain of the armies of Israel? The Lord. The Lord of hosts. So David said, who is this uncircumcised that he should stand and defy the armies of the living God? God was their captain. None of them were captains. But there was none of them that had understanding. So they were still looking at the battle as a battle between them and Goliath. The moment David came in with understanding, he said, no, this is not about Goliath and us. This is about the honor of our king. That's where we are. Can I tell you that apart from, let's leave Nigeria. Do you know that the matter between you and husband and wife is not about two of you. It's also about God. You know why? Have you ever heard them publish that the divorce rate in the world is going up? It doesn't make news. What makes news? Divorce rate amongst Christians is what? I don't even know where they get that statistic from. I don't know where they're measuring it. I don't know where they're counting it. When people go to divorce, do they say they're born again? Do you understand? There is a battle about us. When you're working in an office, it's not about you. Do you understand? There is a name that the devil is fighting to dishonor. As a young lady in that neighborhood where you live, there is a name that the enemy is fighting to dishonor. Your conduct in that neighborhood could be defying or bringing reproach to the kingdom. Christians, you must understand, it's not personal. Praise the Lord. You don't beat your wife because you're a man and you can beat her. You're a Christian. She is now your own to love and to nurture what the christian does is that you love your wife as a man you nourish your wife as a man does what nourish his own body and then for the woman 
I know you're quick-mouthed. Praise the Lord. Please use that mouth and go and make money somewhere. Start a blog. You know, go on live show. Do something. Don't use it and demean your king. Do you know that it's more painful? You see, I mean, husbands must not beat their wives. But if a man beats you, the wound, the scar will go. The moment the scar goes, what happens? The pain is gone. But when a woman calls you useless, when would that useless go? When will the useless go? Maybe until you become president of Nigeria. For the rest of the man's life, the man is in, in the marketplace facing other men. And other men, their wives told them, go, honey, you're the king, you're the bomb, you're everything. And then your own husband comes and he's hearing your voice. Useless man. Yeah, yeah, man. Look at the nonsense. You can't do anything. Are you a man? And then when he sees other men, he says, I'm not a man, no. That's what your voice does. That's what you're using your mouth to do. You see, the Holy Spirit said, wives, submit to your own husbands as what? Unto the Lord. Have you ever knelt down in prayer and called your Lord useless? Don't try that with your husband. These are spiritual things. Don't try that. And you know, I, I was speaking many years ago at a marriage conference. It was mainly women there, few men. And they said how terrible their husbands were. And I said, okay, it's okay. The man is bad. You know, we are all men are bad. But when you go home now, just treat that man like a king. And they all opened their mouths and were looking. This pastor, do you know this is, but what, what are you talking? I was much younger then. I said, what do you mean? I said, go, if he comes back from work, say, honey, you're welcome. What do I prepare? Oh, my Lord, what do I, what wantest thou? Of your maiden <laughs> how honorest thou I you know <laughs> one of the women looked at me and said you don't know my husband <laughs> say you don't know my husband but you see it's scripture praise the Lord We've learned here that if by love and by kindness you can tame a beast, you see people playing with lions. Do the lions cease to bite them because they're stronger than the lions? What makes the lions not to bite them? Because they're kind to the lions. There is no man that kindness cannot change. Let me tell you people here. We said the other time that the women are new models, right? You can never overpower your husband. Nagging can never win your husband. Shouting can never win him. Standing in front can never win him. But humility. Esther, O king, come and eat the banquet. O king, come and eat the banquet prepared. The king became mum. The king just said, He spread his legs. Whatever you want. If Esther had run in and said, King, I told you, I told you, I've been warning you about this Mordecai. You know whose head would have gone up? It's her own head that would have gone up. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is scripture. And you see, the secret to this is, don't do it about your husband. Don't do it because of your wife. Do it because of the kingdom. That you do not bring reproach. People are watching you. Children are watching. Neighbors are watching. Everybody, Even the man himself are watching. Do you know that one of the greatest influences that a man, a woman uses to go to heaven is the spouse? There are some godly spouses that God can give you. Even if you and the devil are boyfriend and girlfriend, 
you will leave him because you will know that there is heaven. You provoke the woman, provoke the woman. She's loving you. You will repent. I get it what I'm saying. It works. It's scripture. Okay? So, in this case, David understood that there is a reproach upon the nation. And he said, <laughs> you know when we say the battle is not the laws, this is what we're talking about. Is it prosperity? How many of us here want to be billionaires? I mean, it will help. If you were a billionaire, we won't be having sound, breaking in, break and quench sound. Do you understand? But, but you see, can your prosperity be the Lord's? Can it be about the Lord? Are you sure? How much money have you brought for the one we are doing here now? Listen, the, the way these things work are very simple though. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I said, let me tell us. You know, they said I should stop talking about the fundraising, so I've stopped. But let me give you an advice. When somebody comes in and says, we are raising uh, 7 million or 75 million, if everybody can bring 1, 1 million, if you are happy because they are saying you should bring 1 million, that means whenever you go to pray, you're saying, Lord, give me the same level you gave everybody. But you and I know that some of us, our cars can buy seven cars here. Where you're living, they can squeeze in 10 people's houses into your house. Then when you come to church, you want it to be equalized. Is that what you want God to do for you? Somebody say, not my portion, pastor. Holy day, holy day. When you come before God, your heart should be, I give you all. In the spirit, sorry. They don't measure giving by the amount you give. Do you know that? Do you know how they measure giving? They measure giving by the amount you kept. So if we are gathered here now and we do fundraising, and God moves you and you give us 50 million, You've given us a lot of If I give us the whole 75 million, you've given us all the money. We will rejoice and rejoice and rejoice. But what if you had 1 billion? That means you have 925 million remaining. If another person gave 1 million and had 50,000 remaining, according to the way they mark jam in heaven, the person is scoring higher than you. That's the way it works in the spirit. So don't be carried away. When you feel you're the largest donor, check what, how much of yourself, what did it cost you? What did David say? I will not offer to the Lord that word, which cost me. A lot of us are giving, doesn't shake us. We give today, tomorrow we, you know, we eat at Hilton, we fly first class, we jump to, you know, uh, Seychelles. We come out, you know, we kick our legs. We're... There are some people that when they give for the next one month, they're not eating. Because what they've given is they're feeding money. And God is watching everybody. Is that clear? Can we leave that topic? Praise the Lord. Okay, so David understood what this giant, what is going on here, is reproaching the name of the Lord. And I want to show you something very interesting there before, you know, we now leave. Verse 19. It says, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, what? Read that again. Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, doing what? Now, I want you to look around there. If you should look at your Bible, see whether they were actually fighting. Were they fighting? They were not. But they were fighting. Our main text says, for the first, says what? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? What? It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not what? 
but the mighty through God, almighty in God, pulling down our strongholds. And casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself. Every time they stood before Goliath, there was a fight. They were not shooting arrows. They were not stabbing one another. But there was a fight. Goliath to stand and say to them, I kill all of you. And then they'll fall back. Spiritual warfare. The world will call it psychological warfare. Isn't it? And the Bible said there we are fighting. That's why I'm begging us. Even now, there's a fight going on. So why I'm re-emphasizing what I'm re-emphasizing? For somebody who is thinking, how can this happen? Look to God. When you see God, you will know it's possible. All the children of Israel were seeing Goliath. So whenever they look, they look at Goliath and they look at themselves. They look at Goliath and look at themselves. And unfortunately, physically, Goliath was almost twice their size. So if they looked at Goliath and looked at themselves, they lost the battle. But a boy came who was not looking at himself. He didn't even count the weapons. When David came, he didn't measure Goliath's height as to how big he was. He measured Goliath's height as to how easy a target he was. That's what it is. In the battles of life that you and I face, there's a fight that is the fight. Before you go for that interview, the enemy is telling you, you failed the other one. You failed number two, you failed number three. This will be the fourth one. And in your mind, you're already defeated. But when you have an understanding, and you know the scripture that says, the things that concern me, they have an end. It says, for God makes all things beautiful in its time. When you understand that the Lord says to you, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, that thoughts of good and not of evil. So when the enemy tells you you failed the other one, he says, no, I didn't fail it. It was not good enough for me. Do you understand? The fight is going on before you appear. That's what makes you sit down in front of people and you have a smile. Your heart is not beating. You have a confidence in God. You're a lady and your monthly cycle comes up and the devil wants to engage in a conversation. He says, shut up. I'm bringing forth destiny children. Their time of conception and their date of birth is determined in heaven. Do you understand? Didn't the Bible say that before you were formed, that the days were written? Some of us trusting God for the fruit of the... There is a divine agenda that God wants to tie your baby to. So don't allow the devil to... What is, who is the devil? Why does he want to come and talk to you? He wants to bring a fight. And when that fight comes, a businessman, you know, you say this proposal, this, the, this one, this one. No, it's not like that. Thomas Edison, we understand. I don't want to do motivational speaking, but how many times did he try to create the light bulb? Then finally, he learned the ways not to make it. And he saw this is the way to make it. Don't we have the light bulbs now from the same person? I understand what I'm saying. So they were fighting. It was psychological. David saw that and said, okay, let's do the fight. Now, one more thing I'll show you in that account, and then we'll pray. Was that the fight David is pushed forth as a representative of Israel. And Goliath looks at David. Let's go to 43. That was part of my greatest revelation in that passage. 42, maybe. Let's start from 42. The Philistine looked about and saw David. Anybody here who understands English? Which means he had to find David. Hey, hallelujah, somebody. Do you understand? He was expecting a man, you know, somebody close to his stature to come. And then they say someone has come. He looked about. And he saw a thing. He said... <laughs> Is that you? And he disdained him. For he was only a, a youth, a lad, 
Rudy, good looking. You know, did you come to, are you taking notes? Go on, 43. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? But that's not where I'm going. Look, read the last line. And the Philistine did what? Cursed David. Imagine you're driving on the road and you see a full-fledged man. When I come here, you see children going home from school. A primary school boy. The full-fledged man is cursing the friend. You die. My God will punish you. What will you think the man has happened to the man? He has what? Uh-huh. Is the weaker, the one that is incapable, that will now be invoking his God. But David, because in the spirit, Goliath knew that this battle is at another level now. He immediately invoked his gods to curse David because he knew that this weapon that this boy is coming with is not just stones. And he began to curse David by his gods. But thank God the God of David was the God of gods. Let's rise on our faith. Because our confidence is that no matter what happens, the God that we are coming in his name, David went on to say, you come against me with spears, with javelins. You come against me with the, you know, gods of the Philistine. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose army you have defiled. Yesterday when we were praying, we invoked the Lord of hosts to fight for us. That is what we are talking about. In this season, we are coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. Whether they are coming physically, we don't care. But we are coming in the name of our God. We know that they are doing all kinds of things. They are doing all kinds of things, but we don't care. Because our God is the one who approves what assesses the heavens. He has shut up the bowels. Bowels can hear. Their demons can't operate again. Their diviners have been driven mad. Their seers are blind. Their wise men are tottering now. They don't know left from right. But today we are going in the name of the Lord of hosts. And what are we saying? Lord be glorified. Lord be honored. Lord be feared. Let my generation know. We can begin to pray. In the name of Jesus, this election, this season, all the events taking place in Nigeria this time, Lord be glorified. Gain glory for yourself. Gain glory. Let this generation know that you are God. Let this generation know, Lord be jealous for your name. Be jealous for your name. Roll away this reproach. Roll away this reproach. Give Nigerians an object lesson. Let the living know that the most high rules in the affairs of this nation. Let it be known. Let people resume at work next week Monday and begin to say, wow, what a mighty God we serve. What an awesome God. Have you heard what the Lord has done in Nigeria? He has destroyed the works of Satan. He has destroyed the works of evil. He has destroyed the works of corruption. He has destroyed the works of tribalism. He has destroyed the works of false religion. He has destroyed the works of crooks and riggers and robbers and terrorists. Let it be known in Nigeria that Jehovah alone is God. Pray. Declare it. Let it be known. Hear us, O Lord, the God that answers by fire. Hear us, O Lord, all over this nation. In this season, O Lord, arise. <laughs> Take your place. Be enthroned in our generation. Be enthroned. 
2023 February, let it be recorded, let it be recorded, let it be recorded that God did all some things. Use a stone and bring them down. Incidentally, the man's name is Stone. I didn't even mean that. Lord, we are saying, arise. For your namesake, arise. It is beyond individuals, arise. For the honor of your name, defend your honor. Teach us a lesson. Let it be known that you alone are God. Let it be known. Let me be able to tell my grandchildren that at a time Nigeria was like this. But the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus arose on our behalf and turned things around. Let us tell generations to come. Let the heathen nations learn that there is a God in heaven who acts on the behalf of those who call on him. Oh Lord, change us, oh Lord. Change the story of this nation. Turn it around. Deafen the bowels. Break the arms of Ashtaroth. Be jealous for your honor. Be jealous for your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Glorify your name. Oh, All we want is to see you glorified. We have no other desire. Brethren, I have no other desire. But that the name of my God be glorified. That people will fear this God. He's the creator God. He's the holy God. He's the just God. God has no evil for anybody. He means good for everybody. Every Nigerian. No matter their tribe. No matter their religion. The love of God is abounding towards everyone. All we're saying is Lord be exalted. Let nobody be led astray. Let nobody be in doubt. As to who reigns. As to who rules. As to who decides. Let it be learned. That God. God Almighty. The Alpha and the Omega. He intervened in the affairs of Nigeria. Lord we say we welcome you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Psalm 46. Verse 10 and 11. <laughs> this is what he assured us. He said, be still and know that I am. He says, I'll be what? I'll do what I do. He says, I'll be exalted where? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, Selah. God bless you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.